Life as we know it completely depends on water. Different organisms need different nutrients. Some need oxygen, some don't. Some need sunlight, some don't. But all life that we are aware of needs water. It's common to all of us, so much so that most of you know that three days about on average is the most that a human person can live without water. You can live much longer without food, but three days is what you can live without water. Because as adults, our bodies are about 60% water. That's how important it is to our makeup and who we are. And yet, for a lot of us, the prospect of drinking enough water and taking in enough water in our life isn't all that exciting. And so we often turn to other things to quench our thirst, whether that's pop or juice or coffee or alcohol. And now kind of the, the growing thing to try to actually get us to drink more water is you flavor water or carbonate water to try to make it a little bit more exciting than just plain old water. But what we need is water in the end because we desire what we need, but we don't always look for what we need. That we naturally desire what we need to live, but in our choices, we don't always look for specifically what it is our need, and sometimes we kind of take the long way around. And because of that, with this example of water, sometimes the side effects that come with these lesser forms of water aren't that helpful. If you drink too much pop or too much juice to quench your thirst, we know what those side effects are. You have a huge sugar high and then a crash. Over time, diabetes can come. Or if you drink coffee and alcohol to try to quench your thirst, it doesn't just give you water, but it also dehydrates you. And so it's actually countering the effects of what it's trying to accomplish. What we need is water. And what we should do is look directly to water and take in enough water and use those other things as extras, but we don't always do that. Water is essential to our life, and it's not an accident that God chooses water throughout salvation history to bring about that divine life that he's trying to give to us. And when we hear the blessing of the water before baptism, the prayer of blessing draws on this image of water that is recurring throughout the story of salvation in Scripture, leading up to the baptism of Jesus, which allows us our own baptism in the Holy Spirit. Here's some of the little pieces of that blessing. First, the first reference is to the water that God creates at the beginning in creation, saying that the very substance of water would even then take to itself the power to sanctify. In the same way that Jesus, by entering the waters of the River Jordan, sanctified the waters so that this very earthly thing becomes the means of our salvation and baptism. Or in re referencing the flood with Noah, that from the very that from the mystery of one and the same element of water would come an end to vice and the beginning of virtue. That this is the means of our sanctification, of our holiness in our life. Or in referencing Moses and the people of, of Egypt, or of Israel leaving Egypt, 
and being freed from slavery, going out and walking through the waters of the Red Sea. It says that the chosen people set free from slavery to Pharaoh would prefigure the people of the baptized. In the same way that baptism frees us from the slavery of original sin. And then finally, the priest prays, May this water receive by the Holy Spirit the grace of your only begotten Son, so that human nature created in your image and washed clean through the sacrament of baptism from all the squalor of the life of old may be found worthy to rise to the life of newborn children through water and the Holy Spirit. That we may be found worthy to rise to the life of newborn children. Baptism gives us life through this image of water that is necessary for life. It's a reminder to us and points us to the grace given in baptism of divine life, eternal life that we're searching for. We look, we desire what we need, but we don't always look for what we need. We desire God, but we don't usually label it that way, do we? We don't say, I need God in my life. But what we do need, which is true of every human being, regardless of religion or culture or age, we need love. We need joy. We need hope. We need faith. We need peace in our life. Every human person can agree to this, that these are needs that we have. And as Christians, by the virtue of our baptism, God says, that need you find in me. And so look to me to fulfill that desire. But just like with water, we need water, but we can choose lesser forms, sometimes we do the same thing in our own life. That in searching for love and joy and peace and faith and hope, we choose lesser forms instead of the source of those things, which is God. So how does baptism, how does this event that for most of us happened before we were even able to be aware of the event, how does this bring us this life? What is the gift that is given in this gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus foreshadows for us in his own baptism in the descent of the dove and that we received on the day of our baptism? First, Baptism gives us an eternal outlook. It makes us look to eternity because we are made for eternity by baptism. We are made for God. And just think, if, if we really live by that truth, how that shifts the way that we live our life. Just think of the difference of living for eternity versus living with the idea that when I die, there's just nothing it significantly changes the way that we look at each other and ourselves and live our life. By our baptism, we are made for eternity, and it significantly shifts the orientation of our life. By our baptism in receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's also a reminder to us as Christians, there is no such thing as being alone. It is a promise of the perpetual presence of God in our life. He gives us a part of himself in baptism, and he will never take it away. That no matter what we say or what we do or what we think, no matter what happens in our life, 
God is perpetually present with us. For a Christian, there is no such thing as being alone. What would happen if we lived by that truth? If we were fully aware of that presence of God given to us at baptism for our whole life, that I'm never alone in no matter what I live. Baptism also unites us to each other in a unique way. Think about that for a second. If every one of us here is baptized and has received the Spirit of God, then we are all united together in that same Spirit of God. And that should radically shift the way that we look and treat each other. That what unites us is not just the fact that we live in Fort Saskatchewan and we're living in the same place, but there is a profound unity that exists between us by God's Spirit. That changes things. Finally, our baptism naturally orients, it, orients us out of ourselves in an inexhaustible way. That if I am truly living in union with God's Spirit, then I will naturally forget about myself and live my life for God and live my life for others. Because that is what the Holy Spirit does. It drives us outward. That we let go of the temptation of original sin, which is what was Adam's reaction when he was caught in the garden. God comes and says, Adam, what did you do? She made me do it. It drives us out to others. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. And when we truly live in unity with the Holy Spirit, it gives us the ability to do that in an inexhaustible way that doesn't become dependent on my own strength and my own abilities and my own virtue, but by the grace of God. This is the way that the gift of our baptism brings about life because it's through these things that we will find love, joy, peace, faith, hope. God gives us life, the life that we're looking for, the life that's beyond a material existence through baptism. But we have the freedom to choose lesser forms, that we can go out and seek those good things that we desire in lesser things. What our baptism is calling us to is to turn back to seek God first. In the same way that you could drink all the coffee you want in the world, but if you don't get enough water, you will struggle to be healthy and to live. So, here's my invitation or my challenge today on this feast. I might have, you might have heard me say this before. Do you know the date of your baptism? If you don't, look it up. Every one of us should know when we were baptized because the day of our baptism is the day that that gift of eternal life, of divine life, was given to us. It's as important, if not more important, than the day of our birth as Christians. If you don't know what it is, if you don't have a baptism record, all you got to do is call up the parish that you were baptized in. And if that parish doesn't exist anymore, call up the diocese because Catholics, we're super good at keeping records. It's there. No matter if it was in this country or another country, whether it was five years ago or 70 years ago, 
the record's there. Mine's all the way in Quebec, because that's where I was baptized. Notre Dame de Lévis. When were you baptized? And even if it's just by yourself on that day, celebrate and rejoice with God in prayer on the day of your baptism, in this gift of life that God has given you. Then, today, sometime, take a moment to pray and to reflect. In what ways am I striving to become more aware of this gift of life that is given to me by baptism in the Holy Spirit? And in what ways do I seek first lesser forms of this life that I desire? Because we desire what we need, but we don't always look for what we need. So in what ways in your Christian life are you looking in the wrong places for what you need? And how is God calling you through your Christian life, through your baptism, to seek Him first as the source of these good things that bring you life? The love, the joy, the peace, the faith, the hope that every human person desires.